Hello and welcome to Fantastic History. I'm Clay. And I'm Sarah. We're a husband and wife duo who enjoy telling each other about amazing events, people, and mysteries throughout history. This is my week, so of course I have a mysterious event to tell you about. All right. But I wanted to start off by making something clear to our audience, which, Sarah, you already know. I am very skeptical (laughs) about anything paranormal or pseudoscientific. You're the Scully. I'm the Mulder. That's right. That's exactly correct. Oh, yeah. I don't believe in stuff that can't be proven uh, without science. Um, I like observation, testing, consistent findings that result in some kind of explanation. Uh, now, I do, I do believe that weird things happen. I'm not denying unusual things that people have experienced. Mm-hmm. But I don't like the jumping to conclusions, at least for me. Right. I don't like the jumping to conclusions of uh, explanations for strange things that can't be tested mm-hmm. and documented mm-hmm. and observed with regularity. So I find, um, I find things like that to be pretty difficult to believe. And you know this. Yeah. Whereas I think everything was either a ghost or a witch. <laughs> everything that happens that is even mildly odd. Yes. It, yeah. We're, we're different in that way. It keeps things <laughs> spicy. <laughs> but this story I have to tell, uh, share with you today um, is about flying saucers. All right. Which is a... Um, one of those pseudoscientific types of topics. Mm-hmm. Um, but the story that I have to share with you is one of the most compelling UFO stories that I have ever heard of. And a lot of people would agree um, for reasons we'll get into very shortly. Mm. Well, you know what? I want to believe. I want to believe too, Sarah. <laughs> I quite desperately want to believe, mm. but... I just can't. But <laughs> this is a story that um, gets very close. Okay. This is called the Lonnie Zamora incident. This happened on April 24th, 1964, near Socorro, New Mexico. Now, most of what I have here in the beginning, I'm going to reference the official FBI report of the incident that was released via the Freedom of Information Act. And it contains Police Sergeant Lonnie Zamora's firsthand account of what happened, what he experienced. How close is this place to Roswell? Because that's in New Mexico as well, I believe. It is. I don't know. But Roswell was almost 15 to 20 years after this. Um, or sorry, before this. Okay, yeah. Um, so, you know, in, in this time, uh, UFO craze was pretty big right okay um but it wasn't the craze that it would become very shortly after okay gotcha but roswell certainly was a thing this was after the 1950s had started putting out those like uh aliens come to earth movies oh all the, the b movies b movies oh, yeah. yeah so this was certainly not a a new concept of seeing something that cannot be explained but not even in the state of new mexico was it the first time that's true <laughs> so i can already tell that there's some scully 
on you. <laughs> Which is good. But here's what happened. This, this is his account of what happened, okay? All right. He had just checked in with dispatch at 5.45 p.m. to report that he was in pursuit of a speeding car uh, that started in town and went just outside of town into the desert. Now, this is a small town, Mm -hmm. um, but uh, the location of this incident was not too far outside of town. Okay. It was pretty close. So they were on a high-speed chase just out of town. He then says that he heard a loud roar, and he turned and saw a flame in the sky to the southwest about a mile away from him. Oh, my. He stopped pursuing the vehicle and turned his attention to the flame, thinking that it was a dynamite shack in the area that may have exploded. (laughs) Sorry, that's (laughs) because Wiley Coyote lives out there. (laughs) What are we talking about? (laughs) Hey, this is the Wild West. Apparently, yeah. But he saw this flame. He said, this is... That could be something very dangerous. I got to go check that out and make sure everything's okay. So he drove to the area, and as he approached, he saw an object about 600 feet away from him off the road in a depression in the ground. At first, he thought it was an overturned car, but quickly quickly realized it was something else. Zamora described the object as an oval shape, like a football, okay, about 20 feet long. Oh, he said it looked like it was made of a material like aluminum, whitish against the Mesa background, but not chrome. There was also a red insignia on the center of the object, and it sat on four long legs. Hmm. So Moore began moving his car toward the object, still trying to process exactly what he was seeing, and still thinking that, that this must be an overturned car, and there might be people that need help. And then he saw two figures next to the object, small like children in white coveralls. Uh, mm, I don't like that. They looked straight at him, and they seemed startled by his being there. He continued to make his way toward the object in his vehicle and radioed the office. And he said, Socorro 2 to Socorro, possible 1044, which which means accident. I'll be 106, busy. Out of the car, checking the car um, down in the gully. He then stopped his car and got out. And he says he dropped his microphone. He picked it up and replaced it into the slot. And as he did this, he heard two or three loud thumps, like somebody hammering or shutting a car door. Hmm. Or door of some kind. And he looked up and he saw the figures were gone. He couldn't see them anymore. So he made his way toward the object and he made note of the insignia on the object. It was an arch with an arrow inside, hmm. pointing up, and it was all red. Okay. No words or anything else was on the object. Then, as he was approaching it, he heard a loud roar. <laughs> not a blast, and not like a jet engine noise. It started off with a low frequency and quickly rose in tone and volume. As he heard the roar, the uh, he saw a flame underneath the object, and the object started to rise up. The flame was light blue and orange. He said the sound was so intense that he thought the object was about to explode. It was that loud. So he ran away, turning back <laughs> several times to make sure that the object was still inside. He wanted to keep an eye on it, but he also wanted to get away because he had no idea what he was seeing. Right. No idea what was going on. Another dynamite shack. 
he ended up dropping his glasses and leaving them by the car as he made a distance between himself and the object, hmm. um, running towards a hill to get cover. The object continued to rise out of the depression as Zamora ran. Then the, uh, the roar stopped and the object paused in the air about 10 to 15 feet off the ground. Zamora then saw the object move away from him very fast across the landscape, silently and with no flame. No propulsion visible of any kind, really. So once he saw that it was moving away from him, he ran back to the car, mm-hmm. grabbed his glasses, and radioed his operator to look out the window and see if they could see it too. Because although he was in the desert, he was still close to home, right, as he yeah. said. He could still see it as he spoke to the radio, and he watched it as it made its way over the mountains and then out of sight. So Zamora asked Sergeant Sam Chavez to get out there immediately. He wanted some backup. And then as he was waiting, he decided to sketch the insignia that he had seen on the object. And there's a picture of it right here. It looks like this, and and we'll we'll add it into the notes. Um, But that's the picture. That's his uh, drawing right there. Okay, but red. But it's all in red. Okay. When Sergeant Chavez, along with the a couple of other officers, arrived, they found Zamora in distress and shock. <laughs> Where the object had been was now smoldering and smoky with burnt clumps of, of grass and earth. Oh. There were also four holes in the sand, also smoldering, and some of the sand had actually turned into glass. I was going to ask about that. Mm-hmm. Soon, state police and the U.S. Air Force began investigating this incident as well. The FBI documents describe Zamora as sober, dependable, mature, and not known to engage in flights of fantasy. Zamora's own recollection of the event in the FBI documents that I read also stated, um, as if to answer the question that anybody would ask Mm -hmm. after hearing this, he said he was in good health (laughs) and had not had a drink in over a month. Okay. I also found the original story from the uh, Socorro newspaper from April 28th that states that at least one other person saw the object. Ooh. An unidentified tourist saw it below, before it landed in the gully where Zamora had found it. And this person... So a UTO. A UTO? Mm-hmm. An unidentified tourist object. Oh. Oh. We need a ding <laughs> for, uh, for bad jokes. Yeah. <laughs> there you go. You're welcome. Good job. So this UTO... <laughs> Stopped at the uh, Whitting Brothers service station on 85 North, and the manager, Opal Grinder, spoke to him. Opal Grinder? Opal Grinder. That name rules, dude. A good name, right? <gasps> oh, man. So this account came from him. That's oh. why the tourist is unknown. I believe Opal Grinder. Forget it. So, All happened. <laughs> so Opal is also taking this guy's word on it. But again, this was before. This was This was during the incident so no one knew about it ahead of time Mm -hmm. Um, the tourist commented on how low aircraft fly here as it had flown directly over his car (laughs) Opal responded that there were helicopters in the area the tourist said funny looking helicopter if that's what it was (laughs) he also mentioned that he saw a cop heading to the same spot that he saw the the object heading to and that cop that was Zamora Okay. So another person whose name was redacted from the FBI documents um, 
redaction is very common in those documents oh yeah for sure um so that's not that's not uh, suspicious but this other person had also testified to seeing something that matched the description of the object this one came uh two days after zamora's encounter and he said he saw it at 1 a.m in the morning he heard his horses making some noise and he got up and he saw it in his yard and he described it as a large butane tank, 12 feet high and as long as a telephone pole. Oh. He also s- reported seeing the same flame underneath it, but he didn't report seeing it come or go. Right. He went inside and uh, told his father about it, and his father kind of shrugged it off. So, <laughs> But the next day, a police officer came to check it out, and the police officer found scorched earth, mm. uh, a circular area about 30 to 45 feet in diameter, and four rectangular annotations on the ground, as well as several circular prints on the ground as well. Hmm. So a very similar situation. Yeah. So on April 29th, astronomer Dr. J. Allen Hynek arrived in Socorro. Dr. Hynek was the principal investigator for Project Blue Book. Uh, uh, oh, okay. Well, if that's all. So you know about Project Blue Book. <laughs> I'm passingly familiar. Yes. I'm gonna I'm gonna talk about it real quick, Please just in do. case anyone reading does not or listening does not. Um, it was a study of unidentified unidentified flying objects by the U.S. Air Force between 1952 and 1969. The study's goal was to determine if UFO sightings were a threat to national security, primarily. And also scientifically analyzed UFO-related data. When the project ended, it had collected 12,618 reports of UFO sightings. That's too many, That's frankly. A lot, right? That's way too many. And although most of them were deemed misidentifications of natural phenomena or regular aircraft, mm-hmm. as well as secret aircraft that were not publicly known. Right. Um, 701 reports were concluded as unexplainable, even after strict and careful analysis. That's still too many. I'm not comfortable with that. Well, Dr. Hynek found Zamora's account solid. He said it was not a hoax, perhaps a misidentification, Mm -hmm. but he did not believe Zamora was making it up. He believed he saw something. Zamora's sighting would become one of Project Blue Book's most important cases. The head of Project Blue Book, Lieutenant Colonel Hector Quintanilla, wrote a paper called UFOs, an Air Force Dilemma. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, then. That's an interesting title. Well, I mean, it also kind of seems like an understatement, if if I can be completely honest here. Like a dilemma? I feel like maybe we're being a little too calm. Well, I I think when you read it, if you were so inclined... He he comes across as very much a scully. Oh, okay. Trying his best to identify these things and not being able to. Mm, she would call it a dilemma too. I feel. Yeah, like. it's a it, it's quite a dilemma. Too reasonable. And 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 you'll 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 understand a little bit closer as to why as we get into his paper a little bit. But I wanted to read an excerpt. Sure. This is what he wrote. Lonnie Zamora experienced an event which left quite an impression on him. He was a serious officer, a pillar of his church, and a man well-versed in recognizing airborne 
vehicles in his area. He was puzzled by what he saw, and frankly, so am I. And yet, I've always had some doubt about this case, hmm. even though it is the best documented case on record. <gasps> oh. In spite of the fact that I have conducted the most thorough investigation humanly possible, the vehicle or stimulus that scared Zamora to the point of panic has never been found. Oh. So he had sent Dr. Hynek to Socorro to investigate, as well as a couple, a couple of other agents to run tests like radiation in the soil, things like that. They checked weather stations to see if, they were in, if it was a weather balloon, perhaps. Helicopter activity, government, and private aircraft were checked, and the reconnaissance division of the Pentagon was checked. They had <laughs> checked the soil, radiation, uh, meteorological activity, weather phenomena, etc., uh, he had even checked with the White House command post. But again, everything was hitting a dead end. Yeah, it's it's funny because um, he makes note of Dr. Hynek um, not adding very much to the investigation, but actually making things worse for the investigation. <laughs> <laughs> okay. <laughs> Apparently, Dr. Hynek uh, was holding press conferences and talking to the media about this. This guy. Okay. So, yeah, he, the, he's one of those. All right. Yeah, he, he was definitely fueling the fire of UFO craze. Cool. Quintanilla soon received approval to do a, a, a full inspection of the nearby um, Holloman Air Force Base to see if he could find anything there that matched the description of the object that Zamora had seen. Perhaps something experimental, maybe some kind of a spy balloon or anything there that could explain it. And after four days of being on the base, looking around, he had gotten, he had gotten approval by the military to do this, by the way. So he had access to pretty much everything hmm. um, and people that he could speak to. He found nothing. He then thought maybe a lunar lander had been tested in the oh. area. After several briefings and correspondence with the um, with NASA and the companies building what would become the Apollo moon lander, he determined that this was not the answer. So, at this point, he had exhausted all reasonable leads, all tests had come back negative. And he had to make a formal decision on what happened. You know, you can, you can only you can only do this for so long before you have to give an answer. Right. And this is what he wrote: I labeled the the case as unidentified, and the UFO buffs and hobby clubs have had a field day ever since. <laughs> According to them, here was proof that our beloved planet had been visited by an extraterrestrial vehicle. Although I labeled the case unidentified, I have never been satisfied with that classification. I've always felt that too many essential elements of the case were missing. These are the intangible elements that are impossible to check. So the solution to the case could very well be lying dormant in Lonnie Zamora's head. Huh. I found this to be a very grounded response. Yeah. Very honest. Um, Quintania was convinced there was a rational explanation, uh, but whatever evidence or fact proved that explanation just he couldn't find it right so just to clarify by rational in his opinion that means not aliens yes okay he 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 thought there was some explanation he just couldn't find the evidence for that explanation gotcha 
very, uh, as we've been saying, a very, a very scully mm. answer. Mm-hmm. Not wanting to jump to conclusions, which I think is probably a good idea. You need a scully. I get that. You do. You don't want to say, well, I can't explain it, so it has to be something like an like aliens. Yeah, right. You don't want to say that. <laughs> you don't want to be that guy, right? You don't want to be like, oh, it was a ghost or a witch. He clearly did not want to say it was a witch. You monster. The Lonnie Zamora sighting is one of the most compelling UFO sightings ever for two reasons. It was primarily observed by a man who was seen by his community as honest and intelligent. Right. He had nothing to gain from lying about it. And he never tried to profit off of it either. And because it was so heavily investigated, one of the most investigated UFO sightings ever Mm -hmm. by police and the military, and they were never able to provide an explanation of any kind. Right. The evidence is very conclusive that Lonnie Zamora saw something in the desert that night. It was sitting on the ground on four legs. And when it took off, it left smoldering earth below it. And at least one other person saw it at that night at the same time. So it was real, but no one has been able to explain what it was. And UFO enthusiasts have latched onto it as evidence for aliens, of course. Of course. But other explanations have been offered, and some are reasonable and some are far-fetched. So let's talk about those. (laughs) One terrestrial explanation was that it was a top-secret military aircraft. Now, this would contradict the fact that the Air Force checked seemingly all levels of military to roll out that it was. Right. But it's possible that it was so secret that it was not permitted to their knowledge. Boo. That's pretty far-fetched. I hate it. Next. The object had no earthly markings on it, and it behaved in no way that, uh, or no known way that aircraft did or even does. Right, especially for that time. Exactly. It's just not possible. So in a similar vein, it was suggested that maybe Zamora did see a lunar lander. It was an an early prototype was being tested that very same day. Oh, okay then. It was that now granted it was a hundred miles away at the White Sands <laughs> missile range, but it was the same day. Okay. The lunar lander did use rockets mm-hmm. and scientists would have been likely wearing white coveralls. But the lunar lander would have been carried by a helicopter. Well and and didn't he say that like the the folks in the white coveralls were like the size of children. Yes. So probably not NASA employees. I well, would think again. One thing with this story is you have to remember that we are taking his word as gospel. It's possible that what he what he thinks he saw is small people who are the size of maybe let's say large children smaller adults like preteens it could have been a case of forced perspective it could have been a case of they maybe they were leaning down Mm -hmm. could have been a case of he just got it wrong misremembered well and it was nighttime you said it was uh it was after five i think it was 5 45 okay so it, it wasn't night But it wasn't like full daylight either, so who knows? So the lunar lander, it's weird. That 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 it doesn't seem to match, especially the the description of the Mm. object. It's not a lunar lander. Well, and the symbol on it too. The symbol on it, 
um, why they would be testing like right outside of town. Yeah. It doesn't make a lot of sense. Right. Gotcha. Now we're going to get into some of the even more far-fetched explanations. I just want you to stick with me. (laughs) I'm so excited. UFO skeptic Philip Kloss claimed that what Zamora had seen was actually a rare weather phenomenon called ball lightning. (sighs) Do you know anything about ball lightning? No. I really didn't either. So I did some research and I just want to talk about it real quickly (laughs) because it's a little mini mystery in in and of itself. So it's a real thing as hmm. far as we think. <laughs> and okay. it's, um, we don't know a whole lot about it, much less how it forms. But it's apparently a spherical object like fire or lightning or perhaps even plasma that forms during thunderstorms. They appear near the ground and move randomly before exploding. What the world? Sightings of ball lightning have been around for centuries and they've been seen all across the world. Are there YouTube videos of this? I want to see it. There's maybe a couple. I tried to find a good video and I couldn't. That's the <laughs> issue. They're so rare that they they haven't they haven't been captured properly. Right. You can't plan for it. You can't plan for it. You can't expect it. Even with cameras everywhere. Mm-hmm. There's one video that I saw, but it's not. Uh, it's not very good boo so it it, the fact that they've been seen for so long and across the entire world gives it some credibility Mm -hmm. as not being a hallucination or a misidentification like like maybe the Mm will-o'-wisps of english folklore (laughs) and possibly not being made up well those are fairies so right stick that in your port and smoke it but they are extremely rare which makes it unlikely that that's what Zamora saw Mm -hmm. but also Zamora's sighting was on a clear and calm night and it doesn't explain the other details of the object that he saw right so and the guy who said it flew right over top of my car do you think Opal Grinder would lie because (laughs) I don't I don't don't think Opal would lie but the tourist maybe I don't know I feel like Opal is very discerning I just think that's a pretty silly explanation. I agree. But I did like learning a little bit about ball lightning. Yeah, I've never heard of that. That's crazy sounding. So another UFO skeptic, Stuart Campbell, suggested that what Zamora saw was actually a mirage (laughs) caused by the star Canopus. Okay, guy. I don't think I have to go into much detail about why that explanation really doesn't match up with what Zamora saw. Because it's dumb. It's pretty dumb. It makes no sense. Others claim that it was nothing more than a hot air balloon. Now, for goof's sake. Now, hold on. This would explain the shape because hot air balloons are round and they can be made (laughs) oval shaped. Sure. Yeah. You can make them shaped like Snoopy. I don't know. They do make a roar when the flame is ignited Mm -hmm. and they do have a flame. Yeah. Could have had an insignia on it, but obviously there are lots of issues with that. Yeah. The intensity of the roar that sent Zamora running is not as loud as a hot air balloon gets. Other explanation, other, other descriptions of what he saw didn't match. And, and if he was fooled by a hot air balloon, I, I mean, come on, that'd be a little silly. And, and and why would it be there? Yes. Well, this leads into the last theory. What if the entire event 
was a hoax. <gasps> what? Yes. <laughs> Sterling Colgate, president of the nearby New Mexico Institute of Mining and Technology. And toothpaste. Be- no. <laughs> oh. Uh, he believes that it was a hoax. Okay. He believes the event was a prank orchestrated by the students at the school. <laughs> the students would have had access to pyrotechnics mm-hmm. and white coveralls. Yeah. Uh, Colgate claims that the object that Zamora had seen was a candle in a balloon, not sophisticated. For God's sake. Now, man. Zamora did initially describe the object as looking like a balloon. Right. He also described it as looking like a car. But mm-hmm. uh, And Zamora, actually, get this, Zamora had worked at the college years ago, and he was not very popular with the students on campus. <laughs> well, Yeah. So could it have been an elaborate p- prank? I mean, the attention to detail would have been astounding. Right. You think about all the little details. And, and Zamora is a seasoned officer. Mm-hmm. He wouldn't be fooled by a lackluster prank. It would have to be, they'd have to put some serious work into this. I mean, you'd hope so anyway. And how do they put together all the physical evidence, like the the glass Yeah. on, on the ground? That That's so detailed. And where did this? And and why haven't any students come forward? That was going to be my question. Like, if I pulled off that great of a prank, I would tell everyone just unprompted. Like, I'm in line for the grocery store, dude. Get this. You're not going to believe what I did 37 years ago. I pranked this dude. Thought it was an alien. It was a balloon and a candle. What a dumbass! I'd tell everyone. You would think that they would. That at least one of them would come out and say it was us we did the greatest prank ever yes i find this explanation to be probably the most likely i would of the ones you've presented yeah but that that it doesn't involve anything like either supernatural Mm -hmm. unearthly or perhaps even like classified super secret super um, military craft that that they were testing. This this seems like it could be likely, but it has a lot of problems that I I can't really get behind. I it's just somebody would have said something by now. You, you would think so. So of those explanations, none of them are very good. Yeah. Zamora died in two thousand nine. In Socorro still. Uh, although he grew tired of UFO fanatics who wanted to talk to him. Yeah. Uh-huh. And skeptics who also wanted to talk to him. Yeah. He always maintained his story. That he, saw, <laughs> that he saw something in the desert. I never saw anything from him that says that he believes it was an alien spacecraft. Right. But he said that what he saw did terrify him. In his last interview... He stated that the event was more frightening than anything that could happen. Oh. So, I am. I feel confident saying that Lonnie Zamora was honest. But we will never know what he saw. I, even if I would have reason to doubt Lonnie, again, Opal Grinder. Has my complete faith. 
A hundred thousand percent. So here's my thing. You know, I'm open to believing just about anything that is Halloween adjacent. Um, I have trouble believing that aliens have visited this planet. Especially not any time in the last, like, like I don't know, thousand years. But at the same time, what was that? Yeah. What was it? Yeah. I I I am in the same boat as you. Yeah, I I believe that aliens exist, but uh, I, you know we've we've talked about this before privately, but it's kind of um, like there is there is Star Wars out there somewhere where all these you know you know this galaxy where all these you can go from one planet to the next and they all sustain life and all this and whatever, but we are out in the boonies. Um, I think we're alone out here for quite some distance, you know, cause we would have seen something by now that isn't just like Lonnie and Opal. I don't know. Well, as you remember, 701 yeah. reports were unexplainable. So yeah, could it be? That's fair. Probably not. But I think it's it's a little fun to think about. It is. Well, hey, thank you for listening and spending your day with us. Uh, check us out on Twitter and Instagram for more content. We are Fantastic H Pod on both. That's Fantastic, the letter H Pod. Or shoot us an email at FantasticHistoryPod at gmail.com. And if you enjoyed this episode, you want to hear more from us, please like and subscribe on whatever uh, podcast platform you're using. And we will see you next time. Bye. Bye.